What's going on, y'all? Welcome back to another dope edition of Define Your Legacy. I'm your host, Theus Elijah McBee. And before we tap into today's episode, just want to shout out our online store, all right, which can be found at the link in the description of this episode, okay? We have t-shirts, long sleeves, hoodies, and a whole lot more. All right, so feel free to check out the link in the description of this episode, all right? And just like that, today's guest, we got Chiron on the show. What's going on, man? What's going on, everybody? How y'all doing? For sure, for sure. We appreciate you um, for pulling up on the show, man. If you could just introduce yourself um, and tell us what it is that you do. All right, cool. Well, my name is Chiron. You know, I'm, you know, I'm a native to Connecticut, um, Hartford, born and raised, moved, you know, moved around a bit, uh, journeyed to East Hartford, went to Windsor. So I'm, I'm pretty, pretty known uh, well out through the community. Um, now I'm living on the West Coast. I live in Idaho. Um, I took a tech job, uh, kind of got into tech. Right now I'm doing um, some product management. Um, I started out doing some data analytics, but now product management is my thing. Um, you know, I intend to kind of, you know, develop products uh, throughout my career. Um, but also, you know, I'm also a wealth builder um, and leveraging tech to kind of do so. So that's a little bit about myself. Um, and we'll kind of get some, you know, once this kind of draws into the conversation, get some questions all to kind of get to know me a bit more and see how I can help you guys. Yeah, for sure. So even in that, right, we talk about, let's start from the beginning, right? Let's talk about, mm-hmm. um, you know, Windsor as well as Hartford. So talk to me a little bit too about your uh, overall upbringing. Yeah, so, you know, I was I was raised uh, by my mom um, and I had a, you know, a younger brother. Uh, so, you know, we kind of came up close, tight-knit family. Um I would say around my time in like middle school, high school, I started to get a lot more serious into, you know, my education and my studies. Um, And I really, you know, was keen on business. So I kind of made the decision when I was young that, you know, I wanted to be an entrepreneur. Uh, But, you know, as as you realize, as you kind of like climb through those ranks, you know, you got to learn from the best in order to be the best. So that's kind of what I what I did. Um, I wanted to keep everything, you know, um, black. I'm unapologetically black. uh, And I believe, you know, I believe in, you know, learning from, you know, some of the best uh, black educators. So I decided to go to HBCU. Um, I went to Delaware State University, uh, studied accounting and finance. Um, and I took a minor in financial planning because I had an interest in learning how to build wealth, but I also wanted to help others um, do the same along that time, um, along the timeline and while I was there. So uh, that's something that I picked up. But um, I would say now, you know, tech tech is my focus right now as I build wealth. So, so how has how that been, that dynamic between working in tech, right, by having a background in financial planning? Do they kind of go hand in hand? Um, it depends. It depends on really what you go with. So like my journey um, to where I am today is a kind of, you know, it's, it's kind of interesting. Uh, I had a few different like pockets of interest while I was in college that I kind of dabbled in and it got me some visibility in different areas. Um, there was some overlap in the past um, where I was working. Uh, I was working in Manhattan um, for a fintech company at one point in time. And that's where I kind of had the overlap. Um, but that kind of like influenced me a bit more to go into like product and, and really driving the tech in general. So I kind of strayed away a bit from, you know, the fintech aspect of it. But um, with the technology now that we have, um, like crypto, it still allows me the opportunity to, you know, dabble in and tech and finance. And even in, you know, talking about tech and finance, you mentioned crypto, obviously. Um, 
often talked about. What are your thoughts overall towards crypto? How do you, how do you feel about it? I embrace it. And I think, you know, as, as a people, I think we should embrace it as well. Um, it's, it's a new technology. So, you know, when there's new technology, there is risk associated with it, but I don't think you should allow risk to stray you away from the opportunity. Um, just, you know, just in general, I think, uh, with crypto, you know, it's, it's, there's large opportunities to make money in there. Um, and if you, really study the fundamentals um, and get to understand the projects that you're investing in. I think there's a large upside in, in the things that you can get into. Um, I would say as well, um, you know, I, I invest in a multitude of things. I believe in, you know, diversification amongst asset classes. Um, but crypto is one that I'm like really, really keen on because of the, the growth potential. And why why I say growth potential is because, you know, if you're, you got to look at the dynamics and, and what you're kind of, you know, trying to do, uh, we're trying to build wealth from zero for the most part. And when you're trying to build wealth from zero, you have to take a, a bit more risk. Um, I would say with crypto, um, the, the percent increases that you can get are, are substantial. So I, I tend to take the approach of, you know, more risky, riskier investing rather than, you know, the primary like common stock investing no no like no hindrance like no not saying like you know you can't still do the same thing but um i i just view it in a different light just view it in a different light right and you know i'm so glad you you, you said that and worded that way too and i appreciate you being transparent about that um one thing i would say to that like it's okay right um like you have so many people who will preach this one idea of investing into the stock market you know the natural S&P 500, but with cryptocurrency being something that's not just popular, right, but also effective in changing people's lives and financial situation, it's a real thing. Um, but what would you say to someone who's still having trouble adapting to this new world of crypto, right? Because obviously this... a lot of people may know about stocks, whether you know which ones to invest in, you know the stock market exists, but crypto to a lot of people is still relatively new. So what would you say to them? I mean, it's it's like technology, like you kind of got to think about it in a way of I would say like this was this was my, my thought process. Right. Let's think about money in general. We started with money like this coins or let's think about trade in general. We started trade in general. Um, when you think about the beginning of like civilization, uh, we started trading with like the barter system. Hey, like I got these chickens, you got this silver. Let's figure out a way of how many chickens could equal this amount of silver. So when you think about the timeline of money, um, it started with that barter system. Then, you know, as we go forward, we kind of have like some physical cash in the play and coins, right? And then as you think about time and technology, we stray further and further away from having that to carry that physical cash. We introduced, you know, like checks. So you could write, write a check. You didn't really need the physical tender. Um, then we moved to, you know, debit credit cards, um, less of that cash feeling, less of you seeing the money physically leave your hand in your pocket. And now we have things like, you know, Apple pay where the card isn't even there. And it's like one tap. So we go further and further away from this environment where we're physically pulling out items um, to, you know, show that we have Tinder to now um, a more digital. And even when you even when you think about your bank account, you don't everything is digitalized. Your money might not even actually be in the bank. It might be, you know, loaned out to someone else. So um with crypto, I would say, think about it, you know, I think about it in the light of, uh, like, if I was, 
in the US and I was over in Europe and I just converted my money to the euro. I think about it in that way, but except now I'm playing with the internet. So I could just take my US dollar, convert that over into Bitcoin, and now I'm in action. Yeah. And the thing is about cryptocurrency, I just think people have to accept that it is a different asset class. And whether you understand it or not, just being prepared for the overall future. You know, I know a lot of people are just so stuck on just the stock market, but just um, I think a part of your financial journey is being willing to adapt to the times that we're in. Um, and if you don't know something, learn it. Right. Like try to absolutely on it before you tend to knock it off. Um, but you mentioned, right, obviously the most popular one, Bitcoin. Um, so how did you get introduced, I would say, to either Bitcoin or just cryptocurrency overall? Man, I so like most people, I was introduced to Bitcoin, you know, early, but I didn't take action um, right away. Uh, I saw Bitcoin. I saw it mentioned a few times, like in movies or shows. I had friends talk about it like probably back in like 2013. And I would say like, you kind of like the first time you hear about it, it's kind of just like a word. You don't really, you don't really think about it because, you know, you don't technically, you probably won't actually look into it. Then when I was in college, I heard, I heard about it again, maybe like a few days, a few years later, um, cryptocurrency came back up because, you know, I'm, I study finance. So I had a lot of um, other individuals um, that I went to to school with who were like interested in like ripple or you know ethereum and things of that nature so bitcoin of course came up again um and it wasn't until i started you know really um being on twitter um a lot more actively and like really narrowing my focus down on social media to um accomplishing like some goals that i had set out for myself where i got introduced to bitcoin again and where i started to really like take a you know a deeper dive and look and I would say, like, it started with me, you know, simply just going on YouTube and I kind of watched a documentary on it. And then once the light hit me and I kind of like understood what it was, it was just like apparent that, you know, it was it was something that I could also get involved in. And um, and the, the barrier to entry is extremely low because you can do it right on your phone. So just like how people are kind of investing in the stock market, um, I like kind of, you know, started to invest in crypto. Um, and it, and the thing that kind of really pushed me towards crypto even more was when we kind of had that whole incident with Robin Hood and GME and everybody was trying to make these trades and, you know, uh, Robin Hood kind of halted all, all of their, you know, halted like all of the trading and action going on. And that kind of like disturbed me. And I was just like, you know, my money's locked up in this, in this platform. I can't, play with it the way that I need to. So um, once I like kind of like really thought about crypto and really like looked into Bitcoin, I just felt comfortable moving my money over, you know, to a decentralized exchange and kind of, you know, uh, just fully fledged jumping in. Like I didn't really allow. Um, and, and some people might say like, you, you know, it's like it's not really, you know, truly wise to like just jump into like an investment category and not really do too much research. But um, I'm a person who believes that you can learn while doing. So if it seems right and you're comfortable with the risk, and I, I think that's really what it all comes down to is what your, you know, what your risk tolerance is. Um, jump in, get the learning and get to it. Yeah. And that's another thing, too. You know, we talk about risk. Um, you know, that crypto, it, you know, it's definitely a lot of potential, but that also <laughs> a lot of risk. You know, one minute yes. you up a good amount, next minute you could be having some regrets. 
Um, so talk to me too, have you ever experienced like any uh, crazy examples of like uh, volatility within the uh, crypto market at all? Absolutely. It's volatility every day. <laughs> I mean, and I can say, I mean, for those that probably invested in like Dogecoin, I mean, last year around this time, everybody was pretty happy. But I mean, if you kept your money in there, I mean, that Dogecoin millionaire, not really a millionaire anymore. So, I mean, that just really comes down to like, you know, having an investing strategy at the end of the day. Um, why not take profits? I mean, there's no harm in taking profits. There's no, uh, you can't be upset with, you know, a 30% gain, but like in crypto, a 30% gain you can accomplish in a day. In the stock market, 30% gain might take, you know, some years. So, and that's what, where I came down to with like my, my decision to kind of start investing in crypto. Um, I can't really, you know, I can't invest like a, and not to bring it to like race or anything, but I can't invest like a middle-aged white man who's had money his whole life because I haven't. So crypto is kind of like that way for me to kind of get those, you know, quick gains. But also, you know, I study um, and I have, you know, long-term holds and long-term positions that I, you know, I actually believe in. So um, that's what I'm going with. And that's what I'm rocking with. Yeah. And I'm not mad For the most part. Yeah. yeah. And, and I'm not mad at it too. I think like the world, we have to understand the times that we're living in and that a lot of young people are trying to, you know, change their entire financial situation quickly. And that is completely, completely okay. It's good to invest obviously for the long term, but if someone who's in their twenties or whatever wants to get active financially now, I don't think <laughs> there's an issue with that. Um, yeah. And, and to kind of not to interrupt you at all, but just to kind of like, you know, really like bring my, my comment host like full circle. Um, like I said, diversification is key. Um, I'm not only, you know, investing in crypto, I'm investing in the stock market. I have a 401k, like real estate is always up there. I invest in sneakers, like alternative asset classes. So like, as long as you can make your money work for you and you could get a percent gain on it, like take the opportunity, but understand the risk that comes along with it, but also understand the risk by not taking action. So if you don't do anything with it, you can expect no return at all now or you'll probably just end up spending it on something you know that you don't really need so why not you know there's not many things that you can really invest into um right from the comfort of your your house or wherever you are um that can bring you a percent back and that's what i found you know i found crypto to just be the one that was just higher yield producing for me um but not to say like I'm not taking those gains that I got and I'm, I'm still taking those gains that I get from crypto and bringing it into, you know, a stock portfolio. Or I might put that, take that money that's on that platform and we might put it into real estate. So there's, there's a, you got to get crafty with how you do things. There's no, there's no one answer for anything. Yeah. And you bring up a good point too. Um, just our idea of diversifying your portfolio. And just because someone is investing in the crypto doesn't mean they're 100% or you have to be 100% all in. Um, as you mentioned, right. like, this is probably one of the most volatile asset classes out there, especially from a day-to-day -day, um, kind of thing. Um, but, you know, some people have, like I would say, um, a max number in their portfolio, right? Whether it's like, okay, I only want to own five stocks or, you know, I only want to own three rental properties. Do you feel the same way about crypto? Like I only want to have 10 max, if that. Um. So... Primarily, I think um, you kind of kind of think about the landscape of the crypto environment right now or the crypto market. Um, it's always good. You know, it's always good to have Bitcoin. Like 
it's always good to have that as a as in your asset class, you know, set up. Um, and then you also want to have Ethereum because, you know, that's like number two. Now, when you talk about the other projects, it just comes with a lot more risk because they really haven't proven themselves and they haven't been around for as long. Um, same like, but that also introduces a lot of opportunity as well because you don't know like what can really take off. So you kind of got to just, you know, read the white papers, um, see what, like, see what projects kind of resonate with you. Um, do some searching to see what the market is talking about and, and what partnerships or deals they're coming up with, with other, you know, companies or, you know, actual companies that are out in the real, like in the real world, not in the crypto space that are doing things because there's a lot going on in the background. Um, and if you don't do your research, you won't ever know. So, that's really like what it comes down to. I would say like I have multiple um, like crypto projects that I'm invested in. Um, I won't get to naming any at all, but I think, you know, you should take the risk. And if you feel comfortable um, with, with the projects that you're invested in, it's really, really early. Like Bitcoin has only been around like 10 years or a little bit more after that. So it's not really you know, it's still fresh and still young. You got to think about what it was like when the internet was kind of created. It took some time for Google to come. Um, and then once Google came, uh, we then we started getting introduced to social media. So like now we're now we're finally figuring out how to leverage social media in a productive way and not just for entertainment purposes nowadays. So like you just kind of kind of walk that line with technology in general. So now you have, you know, um, you have like some fresh, you know, crypto, but now you have some newer projects coming out. And if you are comfortable taking those risks and investing in them, then so be it. Yeah. And, you know, again, too, leaning on the, the risk factor, right? Obviously, Ethereum, Bitcoin, you know, you know, the two more popular ones. But another one you mentioned was Dogecoin. And so how do you feel, right, the difference between meme and value, right? Because some, some of this, you know, just like stocks, some of this stuff just gets pumped up, right? Right. And that hold actual value. Um, but how do you feel about the difference between those two? The difference really is it just comes down to utility and is like its usefulness and a use case. Like Bitcoin is a great storage of value. Um, they try to compare it to, you know, gold um, in a way, but it's, it's really like gold in, a, in like an algorithmic sit, like system um there's a there's a certain supply for it so you know it's it, there's an actual like case for it being rare if you look at gold itself somebody can go find a new mine tomorrow and it, it might not you know reflect on the price at all but it's here to say that you don't know how scarce it actually is it's just we place value on it right now with bitcoin it's like because it's a it's an algorithm um and it's only 21 million bitcoin as the price goes as the price increases or let's say like the circuit the circuit the amount of bitcoin in circulation um decreases the price goes up um, so it, it's actually saying, you know, that it's rare. Now, when we look at Ethereum, I look at Ethereum as kind of like a platform where, you know, there's other decentralized apps being built on it. And this is like one of the first ones to ever be like, this is the first 
kind of platform like that to be created. So now you have a situation where you have a bunch of decentralized applications being built on this one platform um, and everything's feeding off of it. They can all try to, you know, make themselves better, but they're still building on that platform. Meaning that platform isn't going anywhere anytime soon. Um, it still can get better. And then when they introduce like NFTs and like in NFTs, we look at only just art, but it's so much more than that. It's, it's, going to revolutionize the music industry is going to you know change the way we buy houses it's going to change the way that you get like funding and lending or like just overall like finance in general um there's no there's no more like issues that we kind of have to deal with with race because you know they can't see you it's only a matter of if you have the funds and can you get the loan so um so with with bitcoin and ethereum um they have like actual utility with dogecoin um it's it was more so built off of like hype uh and you know when you have like elon musk kind of pumping the price it becomes even funnier and and and, and that's the other thing about it it's like we said it's it's mean it's a mean coin at the end of the day not saying you can't make any money off of it but like that that's even riskier you know what i mean it's riskier because there's not much utility there's not many people you know um investing in it outside of just you know the the retail space so we kind of got to factor all of those things in yeah and that's why we always say like buying and investing at a high is a recipe for disaster you yep. that happens a lot of emotions come into play but like it's okay to miss a wave you feel me yeah absolutely come in late it it, it like you you just making it worse because you know nine times out of ten you know the drop is, is probably gonna happen sooner rather than later um yeah you know entry points are so important when it comes to investing right i always more say, important than even oh yeah. Oh yeah. you know anything else like when you invest is just as important as what you invest in like entry points are so important are so crucial because that really is the name of the game you know what i'm saying like i know everyone wants to buy certain things but when you get in for a certain price, these are all different factors that can affect your overall investment. Um, but this also too goes into a play of the idea of dollar cost averaging. And you mentioned too, crypto having such a low barrier of entry. So what exactly, um, how do you identify that, right? What does that mean to kind of have a low barrier of entry when it comes to crypto? I mean, anyone can invest. I mean, if you have a cell phone, if you got a PC, you can, you can get into the game. So um my recommendation is you know just take some time to figure out which exchange kind of fits you um and what it is that you want to do if you want to go more towards like a centralized exchange or like coinbase um you you really want to use ones if you're going to get into crypto um like they they often say like don't uh keep like your bitcoin on exchange it gets more complex down the line but I would, for anyone starting like if you wanted to get into the game download coinbase um you could purchase bitcoin right there as much as you want whenever you want you can even set it up to um make recurring purchases um weekly if you like um you can also even purchase like bitcoin um on cash app if if need be so it's an extremely low barrier of entry the market's open 24 hours a day and you have access to your money whenever you want so if you want to trade it back into us dollar you can um if you want to buy more bitcoin or purchase any other projects that are listed on a platform you can at any time there's nothing stopping you um and there's that's that's really it it's not like you know the the normal uh stock market where you know it's going nine to five five days a week like 
you can literally put money in on the weekend. And if you just happen to get lucky over the weekend and get some percent gain, you can pull it out by Monday and ha have your trade. Of course, you'll probably have to pay taxes on it, but you'll make, you've made your money back off of your trade or whatever you did. Yeah, I mean, you got to pay taxes back on everything. And the only reason why I say that is because, as you mentioned, taxes is, is, is a big reason why a lot of people may stay away from certain things, right? As well mm -hmm. as not knowing. But you have to pay taxes on the majority of your investments, whether you like it or not. I mean, right. there are ways to finesse that I won't say, you know, like legally and stuff. But just like, you know, trust. Taxes are um, a part of the game. Don't let – I will say this. Don't let paying taxes be the reason why you decide not to make money. Absolutely not. You know, if, if you're profiting more than what you've been paying in taxes, then at some point you realize it's just a numbers game. As long as yeah. you're, you know, making money overall, you're straight. Um, but are there any apps that, you know, you've used that you um, kind of really rock with in terms of like, uh, this is either like my go-to or here's um, something that, not necessarily like recommendation, but something like, all right, this is the one kind of thing. Yeah, I, I like... like I, I know Robinhood, obviously, you you brought that example. A lot of people kind of, you know, it was clipped after that. But are there any yeah. ones on the crypto space that you kind of really like? I like Coinbase. Um, I like OpenSea. That's an NFT platform. Um, I also like Royal. If, you, if you're not familiar with Royal, there's a lot of things going on in the NFT space with music. And if you're into music, I think you should really look into Royal.io. Um, I've been looking into Royal a lot um, because I have a background in music as well. So um, that's one of the, the areas that I like. Um, and I know from Royal, you can, you know, if if an artist uh, drops an album or a song, you can buy um a percent of the royalties for that in the crypto space now so like that's just a unique opportunity that i don't see like you don't see um like high-end like record companies allowing like normal people in on a business and this is allowing that so um i would say webull too webull is a good place to invest in the stock market or crypto um but you want to make sure you know wherever whatever platform um, that you are investing on that you get the keys to your to your crypto or your you know and by keys i mean there's there's keys in the background um that tell you that you own your crypto because on platforms like Robinhood, you don't actually own your your crypto Robinhood owns your crypto you can't take the bitcoin off of the exchange at all it's like embedded in their system so and there's certain fees that come along with it, right when you when you buy uh, mm -hmm. crypto yeah, there's there's going to be uh, fees for the most part with every, like a lot of things. Um, it's just really navigating, you know, navigating and finding out who has the lowest. I mean, you could really get crypto off of any like really like any crypto platform. There's Gemini, there's Robin, there's Gemini, Coinbase. Um, there's a bunch of other ones. I have like a list of them. I can kind of give you those here. One sec. Uh, Crypto.com. Um, you can definitely do uh, get some crypto um, using your MetaMask wallet. Um, I, I just think, you know, too, even in addition to that, it's important for people like to continue um, to do their overall research. Right. Absolutely. And that it is out there. And to your point, all of this is from your phone. Right. And like, obviously, you know, you can do research from a laptop or, or whatever. But this idea of like with the way technology is like this stuff is literally at your fingertips. 
right? At like, your fingertips. It, it's it's available. Um, you know, the, the same devices that we use to scroll through other pieces of content, right? It's the same devices that we can use to learn about things like stock market, real estate, crypto, so on and so forth. So the excuse for the idea of like, well, I don't know where to start. Use your phone, right? Like use, use what you've already been using pretty much your entire life to learn about these things. Um, and that's what anything I would say. Um, and that's kind of like, I know I'm, I've mentioned this before in like conversations with you, like social media in general. Um, I leverage social media a bit differently. I have you know, like a, another account that I kind of go on um, to just focus up. And I use that, you know, that one to just see everything that I kind of want to see. So if it's something that I want, I need information on like crypto or just tech in general, or, you know, if I'm looking into real estate um, or trying to get, trying to get some knowledge around anything, I build like a, so like my, my secondary social media page to just have that information. Um, so I might not be on my, my personal platform all the time, but I'm definitely on the platforms seeking the information, leveraging my YouTube. Um, YouTube is a powerful tool at the end of the day. You can, learn anything on youtube you can learn anything by just applying yourself in general that's all all you got to do is just take action take action start form form a couple questions that you need answer right away um and then just get the searching and you can literally follow your way to the money yeah youtube podcast and social media that trio right there can really be a game changer for a lot of people and the thing is all three of those things are free Right. Absolutely. So we, we talk about utilizing information. It is in front of us. It's not hidden. Information is not hidden. It is all available for free. Um, but yeah, I, I think like when we talk about, I guess, being lost or feeling like, okay, where do I start? That's a, that's a good point. But something that you, you, you mentioned that I want to hit on too, is us building wealth from zero, right? Or us building wealth from not necessarily the same uh, starting point as our counterparts. What does that mean? Um, so what that means is that we just have to, you know, look at it a bit differently. Um, there's a lot more work that needs to be done um, within our community as a whole, but there's a lot more that needs to be done and brought to our own families that are right here. So it doesn't necessarily, you know, mean that we have to invest a lot differently. Um, I just think that we need to be a lot more strategic and protect what it is that that we have. We have to smarten up as a culture. Um, right now, I don't know if like many people know, but um, the funny thing about history is that you don't understand that you're in history while you're doing while you're in it. Um, but if you open your eyes up and you kind of keep your ear to, you know, the streets and just the overall world in general, you'll understand that right now we're in a unique time. We're in the black wealth movement. And I don't know if too many people know that. Now, that really comes to, to my mind. The question that brings to me is, you know, like what it is, what is it that you want to tell your grandchildren about this time? Do you want to tell them that you were on the front lines building wealth um, for your community and your family? Or was it that you were just, you know, too lazy to kind of pick up the phone and go look? I mean, you had it right at your fingertips. And people are becoming millionaires out here. Like why? It can be you. It really can it all comes down to searching and you know doing it taking the time to like look into this research and when we start to talk about the black wealth movement right what what, what is that how do we identify that right what, what what exactly um is it how do how exactly do we describe what that looks like i mean we're finally in the space right now i mean 
when you look at our generation, you know, racism and things like that, that still exists. Um, the only difference is, is like we're not battling against Jim Crow laws, really. Like there's we're still like mass incarceration and everything going on like that. But we don't have the same barriers that, you know, other generations before us kind of had. And we also have technology, which kind of keeps us informed, but also brings us together. Right. So now we have platforms like, you know, Earn Your Leisure. We have movements from people like uh, 19 Keys or him, him 500, I think his name is like we have all these people who are coming around to kind of like, you know, educate um, and, and pour knowledge into the community. Um, and you've seen a lot of people taking action. I'm sure like the pandemic is really what kind of, you know, got us there and gave us that push because when, you know, when times get hard, you got to get creative. And that's kind of what it, exactly what everybody's been doing. So um, as a result of the pandemic, we had a lot more, you know, entrepreneurs be produced, a lot more investors be produced, a lot of people who shifted their mindset from just being consumers to now they're producers. So with the education kind of pouring into the black community and these platforms um, being provided by other black individuals, you now see it now that we are in the black wealth movement. It's, it's a come up being made right now. Yeah. And right now we're, you're, you know, we're really building our foundation. Um, and I think a, a economic presence is what, you, you know, in a way what the black community kind of needed um, because that's the way that you, you get respect in this capitalistic society, so. We finally, you know, taking the time to kind of put those dollars back in our community and back in our own pockets, invested in ourselves. Um, it's wonders that we can work. Yeah. And how do you feel, um, right, the, how strong the culture that we carry as Black people um, affects the overall financial landscape of our country? <laughs> like in terms of like, we, we, the wealth gap may not be where we want it to be, but there, I don't think there will ever be a doubt who, right, controls the overall culture, if that makes sense, right? Like who, yeah. who it is that like really runs it. So how do you think those two kind of play hand in hand? I mean, it it's going to play into our favor in the long run. The more and more of us that kind of wake up and kind of understand that we don't necessarily have to, you know, take every dollar that we have and, and throw it back out there as into like consumer items, once we kind of like are put in a position where we can save a little bit, um, we, you know, we pr prioritize education to kind of, you know, bring our intelligence level up a bit. Um, it, that'll bring us in a space to where, you know, we're a bit more educated um, and we can understand how money actually works and how we can, you know, create budgets to kind of save. That'll put us in the spaces where we have a little bit more left over to where we can start to invest. Now, the unique thing about us as a community is that we spend more money than everyone else in the country. We can, we're, we technically keep the, the economy afloat. Now, the black, like black consumers, ha we spend more, more than anyone else. Now, the minute that we take all those dollars that we're spending, when we leverage those dollars to, you know, invest for ourselves and use that money to, you know, build our communities and things like that, we'll get a lot more out of our community. Um, we'll have a lot more, you know, resources available to other individuals who may need that help, but also we'll have, you know, the resources available for those that want to, to thrive in these environments. So that's really where, what it all comes down to is, is just a mindset shift um, for us. Because I mean, the, the information was kind of held for us, held from us for a long time. 
time. We didn't really know how how to operate in in this like capitalistic environment. So now that we're kind of you know being brought up to speed on how things work, um, you can see the shame, the change, and the shift like starting to occur. You can see that there's a lot more wealthy people. Um, and even when you look at like overall cities, like you could look at the city of Atlanta, for example, there's a lot of black people thriving over there. So you got to kind of just like shift your mindset a bit um, because that's that's history being made down there right now. Yeah. And I say, too, like these next five years will be the most important years in African-American history when it comes to finances. You know, like when you think about the opportunity that we have to possibly make money and on top of that, no one can really stop us from doing so. I think there's power in knowing what we're really capable of. Um, and I think that might be one of society's biggest fears is us collectively, not just doing it, but like realizing what can happen, um, you know, when, when, when that gets done. But do you think there's a lot of um, competition within, within, our, um, within us as, a, as Black people? And the only reason why I ask is because sometimes where there's comparison, there's obviously competition as well. So do you think there's a dynamic where we feel like we have to be number one or the alpha? as opposed to leveling up together? Um, I think there is competition, but I think that was like a mentality that was kind of bred into us from, um, you know, the past history of like slavery and things of, of that nature. I think in general, um, us as a people, we're a culture of love. Um, we were always taught that way. We, we come from families who embrace us. Um, and lots of us have large families. So I think, when we kind of like take the competition factor out of it and start to realize that there's enough money for all of us to kind of get wealthy, then we start to partner together, um, share education, share, share resources, people come together. And that's where you see a lot more money being made. Um, if you, in comparison, when you look at our community and compare it to others, we're just one of the communities that don't really try to work together. And that's kind of what's what's hindered us a lot of times there are you know communities within black culture that you know that are thriving and have used teamwork and community to you know build build together and you can see them thriving so it's just a it's just a shift from um unlearning the things that we learned from the past this kind of crab in the crab in a barrel mentality that you know we were kind of like taught and it kind of like influenced us to kind of you know be like we don't have to have that anymore um we got to shift from being in like survival mode to thriving and i mean that's not the case for everyone um others you know are less fortunate and they are surviving but it's our responsibility to educate them um and, and bring them up to where we are because you know they're they're our family as well when we look at it from a from a race standpoint yeah and do, do you feel like there is a responsibility to kind of help the next man, if you will? There is a responsibility, because how can you be an alpha if you're not willing to, you know, help your next man come up? That's what being an alpha is all about. It, it is, you know, it is about, you know, being a man's man and, you know, things of that nature. But if you can't be on the front lines, um, supporting your community in the, in, you know, in the ways that you know best, because, we, you know, you do have um, other individuals who, you know, tackle our, our community in different lights. Um, we're, you know, we're really just approaching it from a financial standpoint. We see um, our strengths and finances. But we understand what could come from like, like economic empowerment. Um, so if you can bring people up in this, in, in this realm, 
then we can we can change many things going forward. It's just the the economics and you know the finances are you know it's number two technically. Number one really is you know education because once you have education and you know, then you that can never be stripped from you. So you'll always figure out a way to you know make the money, and then once you have the money, you can figure out ways to improve your community you'll also have, you know, better, like better family life in general. The money is like the last thing you really want to worry about in this life. There's so many more things more important. So once you kind of like check that box off, you could really start, you know, you can embrace love, embrace culture, embrace the arts, kind of embrace everything else around you. What, which one do you think is more challenging? Making money or doing smart things with the money? Um... I would say making money isn't hard um, because there's many of ways that you can make it. I think it really comes down to managing it um, because if you don't keep a close eye on it, it'll get away from you. If you don't know what to do with it, you'll blow it. Um, and if you're used to, you know, if you come up in a household where, you know, live, where you're living paycheck to paycheck, um, you're kind of, you're kind of, you know, reiterate the things that you were taught, you'll see a balance and you won't think to you, yeah, hey, like maybe I should save some or you're kind of like, you're kind of just like, you know, without that education or the foundations of knowing what to do with it, it'll always go away. And I mean, the most important thing you can do, even if you don't know what to do with it is at least put 10% away, minimum, at least 10%. But if you really want to kick it into high gear and you can afford to do it, save a larger majority save a larger majority. And then as you learn, they'll have, you have the pot there to invest or to do something with it. It's not, it's not a race. Wealth is a, wealth is a journey, you know? So that's what you kind of have to think about. It's not really a race. And you always want to think about it over the long term. Um, you can get it fast, but as fast as it come is as fast as it can go. So you want to protect everything that you make. And I mean, really understand the, the really understand the amount of time and how much effort you put into working and think about all the things that you consume over time, whether it be food, sneakers, clothing, like all the miscellaneous things that we buy that we really don't need. And just ask yourself truthfully, how much does that actually cost you as far as time and what you're working for? And when you really, really start to think about it, you'll really, really start to save more of your money because if you save your money, it'll save you. That's number one. Number two, if you don't know where you want to go, it's okay to have have that background, have that in the background to save you too. And then once you finally figure out what you want to do with it, you have the resources available. Resources stop the the biggest ideas in the world. If you don't have the funding, you can't make it come to life. Now, that's not a problem if you have it. So focus on getting it, keeping it, and then educate yourself on how to make it work for you. That would be my recommendation. Yeah, and the key word that I took out of that too was the word your, right? It's like, it's your lane, it's your race, it's your journey, it's your marathon. You can't compare yourself to anyone, right? They always say comparison right. is, the, is the thief of joy. But when you tend to look to your left, when you tend to look to your right, you try to compare yourself to everyone, you are literally robbing yourself of being happy. Because the unfortunate fact, right, is that there's always going to be someone out there that's making more money than you. Whether you right. admit it or not, someone out there is more wealthy than you from a financial perspective. But at the same time, there's someone out there who's in a less fortunate situation than you, right? There's someone out there who wishes they had your type of paycheck or type of money. So you have to, in my opinion, remain mellow and humble enough to know 
that all of this really is a marathon. Um, but also too, right, a, a, a key word that I took away from what you said is education, right? So where does the root, in your opinion, really stem from when we talk about um, educating our people? The root? Um, I would just say, like, it, I mean, it really comes down to conversations. I mean, when you talk about building wealth in general, like, I know in our community, we don't really talk about money at all. Like, we we shy away from that topic. We'll let money, you know, dissolve our relationships or friendships with people, but we won't ever try to have, like, think about it, really. Like, people will stop being friends with someone for $50. It's $50, bro. When you really think about it, it's a lifelong friendship and you will avoid a person. You will stop talking to them. You will do whatever for 50 bucks, $50. Like, and that is a small amount of money. Like to someone that needs it today, it's a lot. Yes. But like when you really think about how many times $50 has flowed in and out of your hands, it is really small. So that's where I say like education really comes down to it because relationships are really what's more important. Um, and, and like I said, like just, you know, having people who can advocate and, you know, people like you, you know, who provide platforms for, you know, people to tell their story and educate others about, you know, their journey, give people the opportunity to speak on what it is like they've done um, and, and their strategies toward building wealth. That's that's important. We need people like that in the community. And that's how we change, you know, that dynamic. Um, and that's why, you know, I felt like it was kind of important for me to come up here and kind of speak a bit, too, because I like to play the shadow a bit and I like to do my own thing. But I feel like, you know, people need to hear from other people who are, you know, also on this marathon, um, doing it in all a bunch of different ways. They need to hear other people who are, you know, starting from zero or, you know, starting from wherever you you are at. Um, you might not have the best job today, but understand you can still save and you can still use that money to end investing yourself. You can still use it to build out whatever dream or whatever business idea that you have, but you have to have the resources. And not saying that you have to bootstrap everything. There's other resources. Um, there's plenty of people who who know how to, you know, get get SBA, SBA loans. There's plenty of people who know how to help individuals come up with budgets so that they are able to save. Um, there's people who know how to, you know, help people fix and repair their credit. Um, who know who who know strategies out there to get you to secure you know funding um, leveraging your credit. There's people who know a ton tons of bunch of things, but it's really you know your willingness to go out there and seek the information. That's one you have to be willing to go to lead yourself to that lake. Your people can lead you to the lake, but unless you're ready to drink, you're not gonna get anything from it. And just start. That's really it. Just start. Whether it be saving ten bucks here, twenty dollars here. Whatever it is, whatever you can save, as long as you can do that, you're started. Now, now, once you started in that realm, start in another area. Okay, you you know your credit might not be the best, so figure out how you might be able to, you know, get some, you know, delinquencies off your credit. Um, figure out how you might be able to boost your credit score. There's a bunch of different things that you can do. It's not one particular thing you have to do right away. Just start somewhere. Start the journey somewhere. Why why should someone start small though? And I mean, like, I, um, I know the answer to that question, but I ask you because naturally, if, if you tell someone like, all right, start investing with $20, start investing with $30, some people have the mindset that's like, all right, I'm going to wait. I want to wait till I get at least five figures in the bank, or I want to wait till I get whatever, you know, your number is. But I think that tends to happen sometimes because, you know, you're, you're delaying 
the inevitable, right? You like that number. Sometimes is just a myth in your head. If you're a person that says, all right, I want to wait till I get five figures in the bank and now I'm going to invest. And then you get five figures and you still don't want to invest. Now it's a mental thing. Now I don't got anything to do with, you know what I'm saying? You were just waiting for a number. So why is it that you feel it's important to start somewhere as opposed to just delaying the process? I mean, it's, it really comes down to the thinker and the doer, you know, the thinker will sit there and think the whole time and never take any action. So they'll never make any progress. The doer, he might not take as long to think, but he's going to make some progress. Now, the other thing about it is um, it, it really comes down to psychology, too, because if you're not OK with fifty dollars, what makes you think you're going to be OK with five thousand, fifty thousand? It wasn't OK with 50. So what makes you think you're going to believe and trust that process? You have to kind of. You, it's like anything like you build, you build routine, you build a practice of doing something. And over time, you can you feel a lot more comfortable investing a lar larger amounts of money. So that's yeah. a simple, simple enough answer for that. Yeah, for sure. For sure. And, and, and I definitely you know agree with that. Right. Especially too, when we talk about longevity. Right. Like, and this is with anything really. Right. Stock market, crypto, real estate, the idea of starting somewhere and time being on your side. And that was, you know, you, you brought up something that I want to touch on too, right? It's just the idea of, you know, you may be a person that is quote unquote in the shadows and like handling your business on the side or not as being as, you know, out there as most people or social media influencers. Um, but I want to tell everyone out there is like, you're not alone, not you specifically, but just the idea of like, there's other investors, there's other young black investors out there. And I think, um, you know, not to brag or whatever, but it shows like this, that's really important so that we continue to highlight these stories and make sure people understand like, yo, you don't have to look a certain way at all, crypto, right? Like, no, <laughs> you know, like you don't have to look a certain way to invest in the stock market. You don't have to look a certain way to invest in crypto. You don't have to look a certain way to invest in real estate. Like the idea of being a black investor can still mean like you being who you are staying true to the person that you are that's the beauty of investing in 2022 like you, we don't have to conform and be like all right you know i'm investing in this so that means i gotta talk a certain way no like you feel me but yeah no not at all you know who you are yeah and i think that's that's another important point in general i think um that people kind of just need to think about is you know like there's no face of what wealth looks like there's no face of what bit like a businessman or entrepreneur really looks like i mean there, there's standards, but the standards that other people have created out of their culture. So let them do that. <laughs> you get what I'm saying? Let them do that. We define our own culture. If you want to, if you're a black owned business owner and you have a successful business, you can be tatted from wrist to face if you wanted to. It doesn't stop your success. If you have a popular product that sells, it sells. Yeah. yeah. I mean, you see, you see it every single day. It's, there's nothing stopping you on your journey. It, you don't, there's not a particular look, isn't a, a particular level of education required for you to start there. But you want to, the only reason I preach education is because you want to know so that you could be more efficient at what it is that you do. That's all it is. You want to be better at what it is that you do. So you have to know. Knowing is the key. That's it. There's <laughs> nothing more more to it but if you know also make it a practice to do don't just know and sit there because knowledge with no action is just pieces of papers it's books 
people have a bunch of libraries filled with books that they they won't read or they won't use. It's tons of knowledge in there. And the, the, the key is, too, is one of the key is you want to spend a lot of time. You want to spend a lot of time reading and researching the things that it is that you're interested in because it's going to help you. It's going to help you along your journey um, because the more you know, the better you can implement things around what it is that you're trying to do. And it doesn't have to be one particular cookie cutter thing. Um, and and this is just my own insight, just from like working, working in business, having businesses on my own, being an entrepreneur, you can have one idea and you can build seven streams of income from one idea. That's seven streams of income. You, you should be focused on building multiple streams of income. But if you have one idea, you can start with one idea. That and it's as simple as it just being small and it's something that you do. It could be you could be a young lady braiding here and you could braid here on the weekend and you could have one client. I know the prices are crazy right now with, with the hairdressers and all. I hear about it all the time. But <laughs> but truthfully, like you, you start doing that. Right. And you, you start braiding here. You make some money doing that. Now you have, you know, you have a little pot to work with. Now you you go on, go find you uh, some like a, a suite or something like that where you can have like an actual studio and you're still braiding here. Right. But now you have an extra chair. Now you can go find someone else and you might not they might not even necessarily know how to braid. It might be a friend of yours. You might spend some time teaching them how to braid. You, you understand what I'm saying? You might teach them how to braid. You say, look. I'm going to allow you the opportunity to make some money in my shop. Just kick me X percent or this rent for this chair. And now you got you a second stream of income. And now you hired a friend and also taught them something that they can do to make money for themselves to give themselves another stream of income. So that's how you really collectively build. It, it all starts with one thing. And from that one idea, look, I'm going to give it to you loud. Look, from that one idea, if you got a hair salon, Look, you can start you can start dabbling into products that you can create, right? You can sell you can sell other people's products in your shop or you can come up with your own shampoo or conditioner that you use within your shop and who knows, maybe the customers that you do do their hair, maybe they like your products, right? Now, maybe they want want the same experience and they want to have those products. They really like how it's how it goes through their hair. Maybe they want to buy those products off of you. Now you got three streams of income. Now you're selling, now you selling shampoos, you're, you're doing braids, and you got rent inside your shop. So like it's it all starts with one idea. It doesn't matter what it is, it doesn't matter how big it is, how small it is. You can do yeah. anything. You can yeah. really do anything. Yeah. And and people say, like, you know, to have multiple streams of income. And to your point, you know, you can be great at one thing, but have multiple income streams stem off that, right? So if you're, let's say, a, a graphic designer, right? You know, mm -hmm. obviously the main one is okay. You sell, you know, the designs that you make. But now another one could be you developing a course. You sell that. Another one could be you having consultation calls. on. That's another, um, you know, stream for you. Another one could be you, um, you know, posting all your stuff on Instagram and then doing affiliate marketing, getting brand deals through that. Um, and there's so many, um, starting a YouTube channel, same, same thing. Like, and so I think when we talk about the idea of having so many different streams, I think people sometimes get confused. Like, all right, that means you need to tap into different industries. What, what is it that you're good at? Mm -hmm. Start there, right? Like you, you don't have to be like everyone else, you know, like whatever it is that you're good at can really lead you to make some serious money if you stick to it. Um, don't try and compare yourself to anyone. 
Um, but another thing, another statement that I personally don't like, you know, like you ever hear people say things like knowledge is power, like, that kind of mm-hmm. bothers me low key because it doesn't matter how smart you are, right? It doesn't matter right. how many books you've read. It doesn't matter how many YouTube videos you've read. If you don't apply it, then all that is clipped. So it's more of like applied knowledge is power because all mm-hmm. that information you have in your brain is pointless if you are just not using it, right? You can watch 10, 20, 30, 40, 50 YouTube videos if you want, but if you're just saying, oh, wow, that's cool, and you're not following up with, with no action, then you actually work backwards because right. you didn't put no real effort in. Um, but do you think, like, play this. Do you think anyone can rescue themselves right do you think that anyone can save themselves from their um current financial situation absolutely i mean it's really it really comes down to what are you willing to sacrifice like do are you willing to you know miss some of the fun events to get yourself back on track financially are you willing to you know not go on vacation are you willing to just you know hang out in the house and, you know, it, you don't have to be miserable. It really just comes down to taking, you know, ownership of, you know, what it is that you're trying to do and what you're, you want to accomplish. Like, at the end of the day, how I tell people is like, you know, no one's going to do it for you. They're not. You're an adult. Um, even if you're, you know, even if you're a kid, your parents can only help you as, as far as much they know, you know. So at the end of the day, it really comes down to you putting it in your own hands um, the resources are there available. Um, and there are people willing to help you too. If it is truthfully what it is, if you truthfully want to correct your financial situation, there's resources. Theus has tons of videos out there to, to get you on track. Um, through him, even if you reached out to him, particularly, I'm sure he might know individuals. If you wanted to reach out to me in particular, I'm willing to help you. If there's, you know, there's a tons of people around that are willing to help you and not everyone will charge you to get that help. It doesn't hurt me to give you the same thing that I have um, to help you start your journey. Yeah. And I, and I think it's important too, for people to just simply show up, right. And just make the effort. Like if you want something cool, right. It, it's good to have desires, but the next step is following that up with action. Don't just wish all day. Don't just manifest all day take action because to your point, the only person that's going to save you from your situation um, is you, right? It's not going to be anybody else's, especially at when you're an adult, right? When you're a kid and stuff and you do certain things, all right, cool. Maybe, you know, people want to help, help you out and stuff like that. But like assistance will always be there and available, but it has to be you that really get yourself out of the situation. Um, but so I got to ask too, even to, to jump around a little bit to someone, right. Who went to an HBCU like you did, right. And being from, uh, Windsor and in the Hartford area, and to now being a black man that has moved and lived to Idaho, um, talk to me a little bit about that uh, overall adjustment. And sure culture shock here. If I had a guess, it's not the same. It's definitely not the same. It's, it's there's no place like home. Um, no place like CT. Let's start there. Um, we have the best pizza by far. Uh, I've had pizza in multiple places, and it. It's terrible, but um, <laughs> uh, all right. Let's talk about 
so like I went to school and uh, I went to school in Delaware. I went to Delaware State. So, I mean, that that's different. But the reason I wanted to go there was because I saw Delaware as like a melting pot of culture. Um, you have a lot of people from New York, Washington, D.C., Virginia, uh, Maryland, um, New Jersey, like all of those areas contemplated in one place in a melting pot. So I got to experience a lot of different cultures and meet a lot of new people from a bunch of different places. So that kind of like helped me, you know, build my foundation um, and getting out of my comfort zone because I understood, you know, how to, you know, go out and, and build relationships outside of like my, the circles that I was normally affiliated with. Um, And I think, that you know there's an advantage in that as well and um moving around a bit too because i moved around even when i was in connecticut and um just getting to know and meet different people and understanding how to build relationships will take you very far in life um you're going to meet people along your journey who you who may not you know be be or look just like you but they might share similar interests as you and that can be like the point of what your, you know, the foundation of y'all relationship will be built off of. Um, so I would say like just my overall journey um, to, to kind of tell you a bit about like my background. Um, I, when I was in college, I kind of, you know, I, I competed, I had this opportunity to compete in like a business competition. And when I competed in this business competition, we ended up winning a grand prize. So that got me the opportunity to kind of get like a, like a real high level, like internship, um, with a tech company. So um, that kind of like, you know, that experience in its own was outside of the box of what I was used to. Um, that got me the opportunity to, you know, move to Idaho, uh, which I was put in like complete isolation. There's there's no Black culture really out here. We're trying to really create it. Um, there are people who were here before us, but, you know, not too many young people. And it, it's starting to change a bit now, um, now that it seems like more of us are starting to come. But for a while, it wasn't really, you know, too many of us. Um, so, but I don't approach things um, by looking at like the glass half empty. I look at it half full. Um, with, with it being, you know, like not a tremendous amount of culture here, um, you know, some of the people in my circle that I run with out here, we felt as though, you know, we could bring culture to this place. So uh, we, you know, we started to venture and kind of start a couple of different things out here um, for us. Like we have a um, we have a sneaker um, collective that we kind of have with like a sneaker business that we run um, out here. Um, so that was like one way that we kind of brought like culture um, to this place. Uh, we also have like a few barbershops um, that that we, you know, that are affiliated with us. And um, we also have, you know, uh, like getting artists to come out and kind of to perform or having like different venues that we can kind of have to have, you know, things that resonate with us is also available. But then the thing you kind of got to realize, too, um, when you're in a place that doesn't have, you know, too many of you, um, you're a lot more open to and more welcoming of individuals who are like you or who aren't. So um, I think that's one thing that kind of hinders people um, and hinders their progress along their own journeys is that, you know, we're not, we're, we're kind of standoffish in a way. Um, or let's say, let, I'll just call people scared. Um, people are scared to meet people um, who are going to hold them accountable to chase their dreams. 
people are scared to, you know, meet people who are, you know, who are going to push them or who are going to know the things that they're interested in and will continually continuously remind them like, hey, like you told me that you, you know, you were going to start this. So what's going on with this? Like people are genuinely scared to do things in this world. And it's not that's not an issue. Um, The issue arises is when you allow being scared to stop you from doing anything. So to remain in the place that in which you are, whether it be the neighborhood you're from, the state you're from, um, you allow fear, don't allow fear to, you know, stop you or take away any from any of your opportunities. You should embrace fear, jump into it, you'll survive. Um, I'm sure people, you know, experience a lot more things that are, you know, that could be worse than moving somewhere new or, or being by yourself or being the only one like you in a specific space. I mean, I kind of just, you know, I toss, I toss my hands up sometimes and I just say like, you know, when, if, if you don't have your people right around you, go find your people, <laughs> go find your people, go build your circle, get active, get active because, you know, people are doing this. Um, and I would say, you know, embrace change because, change is change is going to bring the most value to you it's life is about experience but how, how do you do that though how do you how do you go and find your people because when i think of like as an individual if you have either a hustle spirit or like you're trying to change your situation some of that may be just on you right like you're just going to do or move in a certain way but it can be challenging right for people to um i guess start or initiate a group so how do you do that how do you go and find people that you know, may think like you or have a, a similar mentality, especially too for someone who moved, you know, across um, the country the way you did. I would say you just gotta, you know, you gotta get comfortable one standing on your own. So being your own man, that that's being your own man or woman, that's really important. Um, understand the things that you know you're comfortable with and what you're not comfortable with and set those boundaries. Um, have like, have like a, a actual plan and what you're trying to do. Um, and then go out and kind of enjoy or do the things that it is that you kind of came to do. And as you're, you know, as you're in these environments, whether it be like, I'll, I'll just use an example for like me, like I like sneakers um, and I like, you know, the resale culture. So for me, like that was really easy for me to kind of find, you know, my unit because I met other individuals who were within my network who I also had other interests in. So like, that's one thing that I kind of leverage is like leveraging my own interests because I mean, you could take it to as simple as like a, like a spot that you go to on a regular basis. If, if you're a regular at this gym, I mean, that's one thing you already have in common with this, this other individual that may be across the gym from you. You can go over there, introduce yourself, um, have a quick conversation, fill out who they are. But the one thing that y'all do have in common is that you always work out at this gym. So why not just try to work out, like try to work out or introduce yourself to the conversation to kind of grow from there. It's all about like, I would say like, I leverage my network, really. And I might meet other individuals from individuals within my circle and just expand that way. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, your, your network, I mean, we hear it so often, right? Your network is your net worth, but you know, that, that really is true. I think, you know, who you talk to on an everyday basis um, kind of speaks volumes on what it is that you yourself are really trying to accomplish. Um, but talk me to a little bit about the sneaker business. Uh, so, yeah, we, so um, a buddy of mine uh, runs a sneaker business called Indies Kicks. Um, and I'm kind of just, you know, like a partner within it. Um, it's a re it's a sneaker resale business. Um, so buy, sell, trade, uh, 
we do a lot of a pop-up shop like kind of events we were also affiliated with sneaker con so we did like kind of do some vending um at sneaker con but right now we're primarily online on instagram um and you could follow us if you kind of need some um insight on sneakers um and like i said we're big on you know big on multiple streams of income so not only do we you know buy sell and trade um we can source sneakers for you um we can you know restore sneakers for you um and yeah, we also, like I said before, we host events. So uh, we host events locally um, out here in Idaho. Um, we have, I was, well, I can't say it now, but we have, you know, some events coming up um, in the future uh, where other people will have like the opportunity to vent. But also, you know, if you want to shop online with us um, via Instagram, uh, you can do that as well. Yeah. Are you, uh, are you scared to have one income? Just one? Um, no, I'm just a, I'm just a hustler. I'm just a hustler at the end of the day. So like, I don't think, and I'm a hard worker. So, um, uh, oftentimes I just try to find things of interest and then if I can, you know, uh, make money off of it, I'll probably jump in the lane of doing it. But, you know, it isn't really all about that for me. It's really about, you know, uh, finding something and finding a way to create some change or, you know, to shake things up or to bring things that aren't already, available um where you are so um never afraid to have one stream of income um because i feel like a lot of people do have one um so don't don't be afraid to just have one but also figure out ways um that you can have like some side hustles because if that goes away you don't want to just be stuck we've seen how the pandemic had everyone and you not being able to work how it affected people so you just want to you just want to have some more security for yourself yeah. What, uh, what drives you to be a hustler? Um, I just, I would say just watching my mom, watching my mom, she a hustler, man. Wake up at four 30 every morning. She's single mom, put me and my brother through school. Not only put me and my brother through school, but put herself through college and she's in college now. So just seeing that type of drive and, and to, to be in a gym and like have like a healthy, lifestyle to cook every single day for us like growing up like that's a lot of hard work and if when when you really sit back and acknowledge like the work that someone did just to get you to where you are why would you let them down so that's one thing you know my my, my mother and my family is one big thing but also my legacy um I, I take a lot of time to think about um on a daily like what it is that I want my legacy to be at the end of the day how do I want people to you you know remember me when it's my time to you know go and transition into my next phase so um I, t I try to ask myself these questions like what do I value is it I don't even really truly value the money man I value the impact uh in my in my outreach and how I can help um you know touch people and if I can help people um I, I look to encourage people you know and I try to lead by example so that's really like my motivation okay and I mean if I had to guess I can kind of tell that either you may have watched at least one other episode of Define Legacy before in terms of what you just said only because what you just said kind of leads me into my final question, right? Uh, we, you know, we got to talk about a lot of different things, right? We talked about cryptocurrency, just the idea of, you know, a meme coin versus something that has actual value. Um, you know, you growing up in Connecticut and then moving out, um, you know, to um, Idaho and attending an HBCU in Delaware State. Um, just the idea of being an overall hustler, um, identifying ways that we can improve 
within the black community from a financial literacy perspective, um, attacking ed education and really understanding um, the overall importance and power of it, um, you know, not being afraid of certain things. Um, the world that we're living in now, these next five years, being able to learn certain things from our phone, um, so on and so forth. Right? And even ending off and capping off with the sneaker business, so many things um, that we just went over. Um, but the, the, one of the final things that you mentioned was the idea of legacy. And so I say all of that, right, to, to wrap it up in the form of a question. And that question is, is the final question I ask everyone that's been on Defining Legacy, um, how do you want to be remembered? Man, I want to be, you know, I just want to be remembered as, you know, a great businessman, a philanthropist, someone that impacted my culture. Um, you know, I want to be remembered as, you know, uh, a thought inspirer, someone that, you know, changes minds that, you know, that could build young men um, and young women and make them, you know, strong um, and not feel as though they have to, you know, really taint their voice or be quiet about the things that are kind of going on, whether it be politics, economics, war, things going on right in your neighborhood. Um, once you have like that financial stability and you have that financial base for yourself is where you can really like really have freedom um, with out of your own life. So it's kind of like the journey that I'm on right now and how I'm starting, but surely not how I'm finishing. I have a large voice um, for me, myself, uh, for my family and for my people. And I feel as though like at the end of the day, I'll probably touch a lot of hearts, change a lot of minds, um, make a lot of millionaires. And from there, you know, we'll see how people will remember me. But I'm not going to put too much pressure on myself um, to kind of do everything all in one day. Um, like we said before, it's a marathon. So, you know, I'm going to take it a day at a time, put one foot in front of the horse, one foot in front of the other, never putting the car before the horse or, and, you know, taking it day by day. So, um, but people will definitely remember me for the amount of people whose lives I'll change and definitely the impact and the knowledge that I'll pour in some throughout my time here. So. Facts. And that, and I think that's the beauty of being young to black and educated. It's like, you realize that it really, really is a marathon. It's like the information and the, the knowledge that you might have now, right. You know, you, you use that over the course of your life and continue to, improve not just your life but your family and the people around you that's, and I think that's you know very very important um, but if you could man um, you know drop your social media you know where people can find you I know you mentioned um, another Instagram page that um, as well so if you want man just either leave your Twitter or Instagram all of the above where can your email if you want where can people find you cool so yeah so you can follow me on my Instagram uh, my Instagram name is, let me, I don't really use it that often, but if you ever <laughs> not, need not, not like the some, burner account, not the burner <laughs> <account>. <laughs> if you need, if you need some help, if you feel free, like, you know, to DM me, I love to chat with you guys. You know, my um, Instagram name is Chiron underscore Kai underscore. So K Y R O N underscore K Y underscore. Um, and then the business page for the sneaker business is Indies kicks. So N D S. X K I C K S. Um, you'll see it uh on Instagram as well. Um, and I mean, feel free, you can email me. My email is bonnerchiron at gmail.com. Feel free to email me. Um, if I mean, even if they have to go through you to get my information, I'm comfortable with that. Um, I'm I'm here to help. 
yeah. at the end of the day, like I said, it doesn't it doesn't hurt me. It doesn't take money out of my pocket to pour into you guys um, to help you get started on your financial journey and to really, you know, define your own legacy. Facts, facts, facts. And I and I and I appreciate that, too. Um, and one thing, too, I, I want to leave everyone with another hack that you gave me. You talked about it a little bit on your end, but just the idea of creating a separate Instagram account, right, where you follow a bunch of people that talk about stocks and real estate and all these different things. And your timeline is literally just that, right? So nothing else but financial literacy stuff. And that hack, I don't know why I didn't think about that beforehand, but just that hack, this idea of having a completely separate page where it's like, yo, every single post I see is a gem, right? Like, you know, Instagram is sometimes or Twitter, whatever. It's like one minute you can see a tweet talking about some wild off the wall shit. Next minute you can see something that benefits you. Next, you know, you can see something going on with the news. Like, but if you have one page that's just designed for everything that I want from a beneficial perspective, it all works out in the end. Um, and so are there, uh, are there any final words that you want to leave um, our lovely Defined Legacy audience with? Yeah, um, I just want to, you know, first thank you for giving me the opportunity, you know, come up on your platform, uh, share my story, um, share a bit of the knowledge that I have. Um, so thank you to you for having me here. Um, for you guys out there, uh, continue to support Theus. Uh, he has, you know, he has a lot of great things out here that he's doing. Um, so if you can, you know, like his, uh, like the podcast episode, um, like the other episodes, tune in to all the other episodes that he might have out there too. Um, and revisit those too. Don't just watch it one time and think you might have all the gems. You can revisit these Um to get more gems out of them, I would say. Um, and then the other thing is, you know, don't be afraid. Um, I mean, the world in general, like I, a lot of people tend, you know, to say like the world isn't scary or they, you know, things like that. But let's be honest, man, like to go out and really, you know, do the things that it is to one, do the things that is that you say you're going to do that you set out for yourself, take some type of, you know, courage to do. So have faith in yourself. Um, Go for it. Go for the things that you want to do in this life. I mean, nothing isn't, a, you know, nothing can't be accomplished out here. There's always a way. Um, if there are pitfalls or, you know, barriers that kind of arise, figure out ways around them because there's, all, there's not always, you know, peaches and cream on one side. I had to, you know, I had to go around a few different places or, you know, I had to try different methods to kind of get to where, I, where I'm at today. So it's not one way to make things happen. Um, the, the last thing I'll kind of leave you with is, you know, to, you know, like I said, education, educate yourself, um, because I feel like that's, you know, that's one of the key things that's kind of missing right now. Um, it's going to help you build your confidence. Um, it'll, it'll help you build, you know, just your overall respect for the craft of, you know, knowledge in general. It, it'll build, build your confidence, have respect for, for the craft in general. It'll take you some time to like, kind of get into it but just get into it man jump into it jump into it start today don't don't keep waiting and pushing it off because before you know it you'll be 45 and you, you don't want to be 45 and still <laughs> waiting <laughs> no, no, but, so uh, if yeah. you can start <laughs> yeah and, 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 I, and I try to remind you know I, I try my best to remind young people like you have the one thing in life that everyone wishes they had and that is time, time right so regardless of how much you you know, know or don't know, you know for a fact that you have time. So take advantage of that, right? You're only going to be in your 20s once, right? Don't let these moments go.
go by with you just existing, right? Like start yeah. living your life and start making decisions and choices that will positively impact you moving forward. And I know yeah. as young people, we may not like to think about decades, right? Like when we're, you know, 45, 56 years old, but the decisions really, man, that you make today are going to impact you, right? And that's from so many different levels, right? Financially, um, you know, what you eat, your mental, all that. So it's important to really, again, to your point, again, remember um, that all this really is a marathon. Um, but I appreciate it, man. And just some uh, housekeeping items on the Define Your Legacy front. Uh, make sure you, you know, give us a, a five-star rating on Apple Podcasts as well as Spotify. Subscribe to Theus Elijah on YouTube. All right, we much appreciate it. As well as follow Define Your Legacy on Instagram. All right, Define Your Legacy with an underscore at the end as well as the Finding Legacy on Facebook, um, DYL Podcast on Twitter. Um, and last but not least, um, you know, in addition to TikTok, Atheist Elijah on TikTok, but last but not least, make sure to, as you mentioned, man, um, tap into, you know, multiple episodes as well. Um, all episodes drop Thursday at 8.24 a.m. Eastern, all right? All episodes of Finding Legacy drop Thursday at 8.24 a.m. Eastern, all right? And just like that, y'all, as always, appreciate y'all for tuning in. Stay blessed. Peace.